Hope you guys are having a great day today and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spaziti program where we talk about entrepreneurship and economics. Guys, I am pumped. I'm so happy you guys are here today. You know, I hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, it's Monday today. Um, I actually, so I, I have, I have, I have a, a confession to make. I actually started recording an episode and I finished it. It was almost like an hour long and it turned out to be about my beliefs on monarchy and my beliefs about, uh, republics and democracies and things of that nature, and it had nothing to do with the topic I actually intended to talk about. Yes, for those of you who uh, don't know, I do plan out the show to some extent. I have a topic I want to talk about. I I write down a list of things I want to cover and kind of go from there, but unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know. I just I got off on a topic I was very, very passionate about and totally derailed what I intended to talk about, but hey, it created extra content. So now I got another episode for next week, and that uh, yeah, that episode will definitely be for next week, and it'll be more of an opinion and political piece and whatnot. So if you guys are interested in that, then hey, go check that out when it is posted. And again, I will drop that probably next week of some uh, at some point. So, uh, but yeah, guys, hey, in this episode, what I really wanted to talk about is I wanted to talk about what's happening in the banking situation right now and what's happening with the unemployment rate. And just overall, give you give you guys a lot of good information that you guys can use to determine for yourself. But in re, ultimately, you guys can determine how you want to you know organize your life and all that kind of stuff. But guys, look, um, the economy. You you know, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know that for when it comes to the economy, I have been very 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 just not at all very optimistic. I mean, I, long term, I'm very optimistic, but short term, I'm not. I'm very pessimistic short term. And in in reality, there's just a lot of red flags that are coming up, like a lot of them. I know we had a 30%, a little over 30% crash in the indexes, but guys, look, it's going to get worse because the, 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 the underlying economic fundamentals are not going to, they're not getting better. So what's actually going on right now with the with the, the banks? This is the, the next in a series of events that are occurring, and this is exactly playing out the very similarly to the way that 2008 the 2008 financial crisis turned out. And ultimately, what is occurring is that banks are tightening their lending standards. I, I mentioned this in a, a podcast episode a little bit ago. They're tightening their lending standards, and they are not going to be lending out loans quite in the way that they were before. In fact, many of them aren't going to be lending out loans to just about anybody. There are lots of people who are not going to get loans and not going to get access to credit and things of that nature, which is going to be very, very painful for them. And it's it's not good. Guys, this is what happened in 2008. As the situation got worse and worse and worse, banks tightened more and more and more. And then it became nearly impossible to get any kind of a loan, even if you apparently had good credit and you had a very, very good uh, history of paying back that loan. But very few people are in that boat. And in reality, the fact remains is that there are lots of things that are happening. Uh, there, you know, many banks, uh, I know that JP Morgan, I know that in the last episode, I said JP Morgan's no longer doing HELOCs. And guys, look, in the end, it's a problem. When the banks start tightening up and the banks aren't lending out money, Companies that need that money because there's a fallen demand for what they were offering aren't going to get money and they, they can't sustain being open. They're going to close. Many, many companies are going to close as a result of it. This is ultimately a, a domino effect, really. The drop in demand and the drop in investments and things of that nature ends up causing banks and many other companies to start clamming up and hunkering down for long-term or at least for uh, bad economic times. And in reality, they what they do is they, like banks, they start to not lend money out to people anymore. 
you know, uh, to companies, they stop expanding. They stop doing, you know, investing money into research and development. They start hunkering down. All of this will create less jobs. The bank's not lending money out. That will actually cause companies to lose jobs. Small businesses, they're not going to get loans. A lot of times, they're not going to get loans. Everyday people are not going to get loans. And this is very, very destructive because I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. We are, in reality, we are suffering from an issue that has been going on in America for a long time, but we are suffering from a heroin addiction. Or at least I I like to tie it to a heroin addiction. Uh, One of my mentors, that's how he always talks about this. And basically what he does is he says that we have been addicted to easy money. Low, low interest rates, easy access to money that, you know, from banks, credit cards, things of that nature. We've been addicted to this for so long. It's like a heroin heroin addict. And ultimately, the worse and worse it gets, the worse and worse our addiction gets, the more and more we need it. And when it starts to dry up, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to be really, really bad. So anyways, guys, but yeah, banks are tightening their belts by raising lending standards and ultimately restricting how much money you can borrow, if any and are building their loan loss reserves as well. So this is an interesting thing to keep in mind. Loan loss reserves are what banks build. And they're exactly what they sound, right? You know, banks lend out a lot of loans and they have a certain amount of reserves to cover what statistically they think should be the amount of losses that they're going to to incur because of the money that they're lending out. Okay, so, you know, they're taking investments, they're taking chances, they're taking risks by lending money out to everybody, and they have a certain amount of cash reserves to cover those losses. Well, again, they don't have 100% of that. And now what you're finding is that those reserves are growing. They're building their cash power. They're building their reserves. That being said, though, you know, that's what loan loss reserves are. You know, they rise as they as banks basically expect to get more and more uh, losses due and ultimately expect their investments by lending money out to people to ultimately come back as a loss. So, you know, that's what that is. But this is the biggest red flag that the recession is about to take a deeper dive and may very well develop into an economic depression. Seriously. Understand that for a long time now, the U.S. has been addicted to easy money, or another way of looking at it is low interest rates, easy, loose lending standards, okay? And for a time at least, a lot of that is ending. What does this mean for you and and the entire U.S. economy? It means that the U.S. of A. is very similar to a heroin addict, kind of like I just mentioned, constantly needing one hit after another in order to be seemingly stable. But like all addicts, the minute access to the drug dries up, the pain starts to set in, and before you know it, the addict is hitting rock bottom and may never truly recover. This is the true state of America today. We are not in a healthy economy. This is the true state. We've been on this huge addiction to easy money for so long now that when it dries up, seriously, it will send a massive ripple through the entire economy, both U.S. and global, and will devastate millions of lives. Guys... Many of you may not have known that I was actually reading it. Sometimes you can kind of tell in my voice when I'm reading something that I've that I'm reading an article or whatever. That was something that I wrote. It was based off this this article from John Malden's front, front, uh, Thoughts from the Frontline called "The Yellow Flag Jobs Data." I just got this over the weekend. It was sent August seventh, so three days ago. And it's, it basically kind of walks you through what's happening with lending standards. Lending standards are rising to an all-time high. They're almost as high as uh, they were in 2008. So, you know, they show a chart here called Chart 10, Banks Tightening Standards for CNI Loans to Small Firms. And uh, yeah, this is this is really bad. Now, granted, I create I didn't like copy off words from this article, okay? But I when I was reading this article, I came up with this idea, and I basically wrote a little script for this this podcast episode, just stuff that I really wanted to talk about. And this w- this was it, and that th- that was it. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. But basically, look, what I said is true. Okay, banks are tightening up their standards. They're not they're raising their standards, meaning they're not lending money out. They're finding more they're they're lending money to less and less people. 
And really, it, it's 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 a big. Not only is it a problem on the consumer level, it's a huge problem on the business level because the business level is small businesses are kind of the lifeblood of the U.S. economy. Yeah, big businesses matter too, but small businesses are the tiny little machines that keep the economy running. And guess what? When a lot of this happens, it's the tiny businesses that are going to suffer. They're not going to be able to get the loans that they need in order to stay solvent. And look. It pains me to say that because I'm not a fan of debt, okay? I hate debt. I think, you know, debt is awful. Even though I have it, I'm trying to get rid of it as quickly as I possibly can. You know, in reality, those who have debt are slaves to whoever the lender is. The borrower is slave to the lender. Biblical principle, okay? You guys, you know I'm a Christian. It's in Proverbs. The borrower is slave to the lender. Okay, it's it's quite literally that simple. So I don't like the idea of businesses going into debt because what going into debt is, and I'm going to do a very, very short clip on this right now. Going into debt is pulling in effect. Think about it economically. Think about it in terms of consumption and savings and investing. Okay, when you go into debt, you are pulling future consumption, consumption that you would have been able to, you know, have in the future. And you're pulling that backwards into the past. Okay, you're pulling it, you're pulling future consumption into the present. So not the past, but the present, right? And what this effectively means is that when you pull that consumption from the future, it doesn't get replaced with more consumption. What it means is that you aren't going to be able to consume as much in the future because you pulled it into the present. So now you took consumption that was in the future, you brought it to the present, now you're going to consume less in the future because whatever consumption you had there, you pulled it to the present. And that's what going into debt is, is pulling future consumption into the present that will effectively reduce your consumption in the future. It's kind of complicated to think of it that way, but it's true. If I go into debt and I and I go and I get a six to $8,000 loan for a car, Okay, let's say I have 10 grand. I'm going to buy a 16, $18,000 car. Uh, my wife and I, we've done this in the past and we've had very, very low payments. You know, we, we, we basically get the longest loan that we can. We always pay it off early. Uh, we just like the low payments just in case anything happens, job losses, you get downsized. You want to conserve as much free cash flow as you possibly can, even in good times. So it's always a good thing to keep that in mind when you're, t- you're thinking about your personal finances. But when you're doing that, you know, you, you, you get a six to $8,000 loan and you only pay like maybe $125, maybe $150 a month. Well, now I've reduced my cash flow to $125 to $150 a month, whichever one it is. I can't consume $125 to $150 every single month. I can't consume that amount anymore. If I was going to spend that on something else, maybe going out to eat or something of that nature, I can't do that now because now I, I've pulled future consumption forward in order to buy that car. Now, what I could have done is I could have abstained from consumption in the present and I could have basically put that money into savings so that I would be able to buy the car in the future. But in reality, sometimes, as we all know, life has a tendency to throw curveballs at you. Your car breaks down. You know, it's it's worth more money to fix than it is than the car is actually worth. So it actually sometimes makes sense to go and get a car. Maybe you just need a car. Maybe your car breaks down and you can't really afford to fix it, but you can afford to buy a new one. So you go and you buy a new one. I mean, if you're going to go into debt, nobody wants to go into debt in order to fix a car. Most people are more likely to go into debt in order to freaking, you know, buy a new car. But hey, look, banks are not lending out money anymore. Getting back to what I was talking about, banks are lending out money less and less. Now, it doesn't mean that banks aren't lending out money, okay? That that doesn't mean that. But still, banks are not lending out as much money. It's getting harder and harder for consumers to find loans. It's getting harder and harder for businesses to find loans. Particularly if you're a moderate lender who basically you don't you don't take out money all the time. You don't take out a lot of money and what you mostly do is you have very good credit score but you don't really use your credit card often. You're kind of considered a bit of a bad business person, you're a bad a bad business for the bank so they reduce your spending right? But what about those people who don't have good credit scores and they lend all the time? What if they start getting uh, restricted on access to, to spending? It's going to suck. It's going to suck a lot, okay? It's not going to be good. So guys, look, in the end, this is not positive. And I could start reading some stuff from here and I, I probably will a little bit. But you know, all in all, guys, this is not positive. 
You need to keep that in mind. Now, look, before I go further and further, I think it is important for me to tell you while I am against debt, what I what I mean by that is I'm against debt from a on a consumer level. OK, when it comes to consumers and stuff like that, like going on trips, buying a car, buying a house, it's not good to go into debt for those types of things. I know we all do. Sometimes we just don't have the money to go into debt, you know, to buy that stuff in cash. But look, in the end, that's a bad thing to go into debt for. Going into debt for saying a business venture, you know, is a good thing because you could provide jobs. And, and but look, that's not the purpose of a business. The purpose of a business is not to provide jobs, but it can it. That's more of a uh, a happy side effect. But really, you know, the purpose of a business is to make money. But going into debt for the purpose of maybe doing an investment or a business means that you're going to produce more money than what you went into debt for. And this, or at least there's a possibility of that, this our country needs. Every country needs that. Okay? The problem is when it's done via fractional reserve banking. The problem, because it because now that you have fractional reserve banking, you have problems like this. You can lend out a lot more, but you cause inflation because you increase the monetary supply and that money got injected into the economy and now it has led to price inflation. And in the end, look, it causes problems, big problems. So just keep that in mind, okay? We need the debt when it's productive, positive, good debt. But there's bad debt, and bad debt is debt that is done with regards to for consumption purposes, cars, houses, tr- vacations, furniture, what have you. That is bad debt. So you ne- so we, we want more good debt where we're making mo- more money than we are than we're paying in the debt. That's good. That's positive. Our economy needs that, but we do not want bad debt. So it's important to keep that in mind. That's what I was. That, that's what I mean when I say I hate debt. I, ha- I hate bad debt in that sense. So I'm going to read this uh, a, a little anecdote from this uh, thoughts from the front line, the yellow flag jobs data uh, article that John Malden wrote. But basically, it says. I have a business associate who who asked not to be named, who has excellent credit. He monitors his FICO score and it's always north of 800. He has several high limit credit cards he rarely uses. In the last month, seemingly out of nowhere, three card issuers cut his limit to a paltry few thousand dollars. That's no loss to my friend who wasn't going to use the cards anyways, but what made the banks do this? Well, it makes perfect sense from their perspective. What the customer sees as available credit, the bank sees as a loss exposure. At any moment, my friend could have his spent could have spent to his limit and then stopped making payments, maybe even going bankrupt or leaving the bank in a bad spot. Basically, it's a risk to the bank. The bank normally accepts that possibility because it sees potential revenue too, but now the risk outweighs the benefits, so better to eliminate the possibility altogether. Actually, it makes sense. My friend is a lousy customer. Even though his credit is over the top, he is not making the bank any money. Without knowing, I can guarantee you the cards in question have low or no fees. Yet the bank has to reserve cash in case he decides to use them. Their actual reserves are being challenged, so he is an e- so he's an easy target. I, on the other hand, don't have his pristine credit, but I only have a few credit cards, which I use to charge everything possible and then pay them off every month. It feeds my secret fetish, airline miles. So far, though, bank algorithms see me as a good customer who generates fees and have no cut and have not cut my credit line. But he illustrates a point that I'm trying to make here. If even highly rated stable borrowers are seeing their limits cut, imagine what is happening to marginal borrowers. You know, in fact, we don't have to imagine. We have actual data from the Federal Reserve's Quarterly Senior Loan Officer Opinion Survey. Yeah, that's a mouthful. (laughs) Uh, U.S. banks, and particularly the U.S. branches of foreign banks, are tightening credit in most categories. It's worse for small firms. In fact, banks are tightening business loan standards at the fastest pace since 2008. The Fed survey also found lower demand for all kinds of lending except residential real estate. I don't know of any other business where it makes sense to raise the price of your product as demand for it drops. That banks are doing so speaks to how nervous they must be. Worse, it's happening despite massive Federal Reserve efforts to encourage and subsidize bank lending. Guys, that that is a, 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 a huge red flag that the recession is about to take another dive, that we are about to be thrown into a much deeper uh, recession. Even John Malden here says, you know, we are in a deep recession and we are facing a depression. We are nowhere near recovery. 
You know, the very idea that people are, and companies are talking about a recovery is asinine. It is absurd. It is a, a, a evidence of ignorance and stupidity and foolishness. This is not the time to be talking about recovery. We are not in a recovery. We're not anywhere near close to recovery. In fact, we're facing down the barrel of a possible economic depression worse than our nation went through in the Great Depression. We are facing down something that, that no one has ever seen coming. That nobody... I mean, we you would, I've been talking about the potential for it on my show here for a little while now. But honestly, when I started the show, uh, this kind of kicked off shortly thereafter. But guys, look, we are facing down a, the barrel of a really, really, really bad economic situation. We're already in one, and it's going to get worse. 2020 is going to suck. 2021 is probably going to suck even more. 2020 was all about the virus and, and the fears of that. And then you had all the fear-mongering from you know media and politicians, and none of it was founded because the virus is not a big deal. But then you turn around... And, and you have all the at, the reactions that the governments did, which is destroying economic activity and destroying the economies on a global scale. And you think it won't cause a thing? You think we're going to have a V-shaped recovery? Seriously, look at the data. Look at it. I mean, if, you, if, if you're following me for any length of time, if you're here, you, you're not that person, right? You're not that. Hopefully, you're not that person. But guys, seriously, this is serious stuff. If you couldn't tell, seriously, <laughs> just said it. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, the point is, look, ladies and gentlemen, we're not in a good straight. We're not in a good situation. We're in a bad situation. It's about to get really, really, really bad. If there was any ever time for you guys to start taking control of the source of your income, it is now. Do not be dependent on those businesses that require these loans. Do not be dependent on businesses. Hey, if your business if you if you're working for a company, a small company, large company, but the, you know demand is dropped, how do you think they're paying you? Do you think that they just got? Well, they might have savings. They might have some savings, and they might be drawing on those savings in order to keep employed because they think demand's going to recover in the future. What happens if they run out of the savings? How are they going to keep you know funding your life then? How are they going to keep paying you for your job then? You think you're going to keep your job? Do you think that they're going to close the doors? Maybe they'll try to keep it going a little longer with loans, but what happens if they can't get those loans? They will shutter their doors and you will be without a job. Ladies and gentlemen, this has happened to many people. This is not the first time this has happened in this nation and won't be the last. What I can tell you is this. You need to take control of the source of your income. I don't care what your situation is. Take control of the source of your income. Take control of your, take your freedoms back. Take them back. Stop being subservient to some business. Stop living a life of mediocrity, nev never having enough money. Live a life of prosperity. You take control of the source of your income, guys, and it is a high possibility. As long as you manage things well, you can live a life that others envy. You can live a life that everybody dreams of living. But you're never going to do that if you're, if you're working for somebody else. Sorry, you're just not. Fact. That's not, that's not my opinion. That is fact. I mean, you could become a CEO. You could work like a dog. You know the CEOs, how, how hard they work for the kind of money they have? Everyone wants to criticize them for all the money they have. You know how hard those people work? Holy crap, I wouldn't want to be a CEO. I wouldn't want to be any kind of chief off executive officer or chief, chief officer of any kind. Those people work like dogs. They give portions of their life, massive amounts of their life. They have no family life in most cases. They work constantly traveling being on media they just work 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 and yes they make a lot of money but you know what when was the last time they had the opportunity to sit down relax and not and actually enjoy that money a lot of times they work for a life they can't even live they now have the money to live a wonderful life but because in order to maintain that they got to work like animals you control the source of your income. You control when you work and when you don't work. Yes, you could end up working like an animal. You don't want the business to control your life. But you don't have to let it. 
So anyways, I want to read another thing that, that uh, John Malden talked about here. He says, uh, last rec last week I read and reposted a Twitter thread you should follow me by the way is what he says by someone describing himself as a consultant who helps franchisees get loans often via SBA loans so small business I, I believe it's small business administration loans so uh, small business administration I believe is a government program let me see if I can find that here Yes. Okay. Exactly. They're small business administration loans. That is precisely what what this is. So it's as an SBA loan is a small business administration. But anyways, he um he help, he he helps them by uh, get loans often via SBA guarantees. I asked him to contact me and was able to verify his identity, though I can't reveal it here. He described a a terribly frustrating credit environment in his space. Below is a portion of his thread. You can read the full version here. So I will give you a link uh, in the, I will post the link in the description below of this article. So if you guys want to go see all that, you can, but I'm not going to go click over there and, and read his whole post there. Okay. Um, just simply, we don't have the time. <laughs> so the banks I work with are SBA, conventional lenders who service smaller loans under 2MM. I don't know what MM stands for. I don't know if that's like $2 million or what. So maybe it's money market, to it to money market. I have no idea what that stands for. If you guys know, comment, uh, let me know, shoot me a message via Matthew at NewMillenniumWealth.com. That's my uh, my website name. I will eventually be making a website name at uh, called MatthewSpaziti.com. In fact, NewMillenniumWealth.com will probably develop into MatthewSpaziti.com. Either that or I'll just create a, a whole brand new one, a, a brand new website. I'm not sure. But anyways, that being said, let's continue. And generally smaller operators of these fr franchise systems and then larger banks who provide loans to larger operators from 2 to 50 mm. I'm short 20 plus banks across all spectrum of SME lending. I fund 400 to 500 MMN loans per year through these banks. In February, we were on pace to fund well over 500 MM and potentially 750 MM, growing exponentially year over year. Stiff drink time. Since April 1st, we have funded 5 MM total through only two banks. Let's dive in as to why. SBA banks, they have lending limits to 5 MM. Congress has authorized them to go to 10 MM in the CARES Act, but they have ignored it. This will become important later. They currently have guarantees from the government at 80%. Pretty good, right? Doesn't matter. They still won't lend. In fact, they are pushing the government to guarantee 90% of loans and likely on their way to 100%. See my prior posts on the de facto nationalization of the banking system. In short, SBA has shut off borrowers waiting for more from Uncle Sam. Current excuses are playing both sides, and this applies to all banking segments. A chain with increased sales per since pandemic, no loan. We want to wait to see if sales increases are sustainable. Does not matter that sales are up. They may not be sustainable. On the other side, for businesses with sales down, well, we just aren't comfortable sales will rebound, and we have concerns about over COVID. So sales up equals no loan. Sales down or flat also equals no loan. Operator size is irrelevant, is largely irrelevant. Are some banks lending? Yes, this is 70 to 80%, 75 to 80% of SBA banks. They're also being extremely selective on industries they will do. If you are an industry with large public gatherings, you better pray to Santa Claus for money. So, this is now John Malden. So, businesses with solid revenue still can't get capital even when the government will guarantee 80% of the risk. Economic recovery will be very hard if this persists. All those loans not being made represent business activity that won't happen. Buildings not constructed, jobs not created. It doesn't mean the situation is hopeless, but it probably means we will be stumbling through this morass even longer. All right, guys, that is that is really, really, really bad. Okay, very, very bad. So there's a whole host of other things that, that he talks about here. Um, he does talk about the absurd, totally misleading unemployment report. He says, I cannot end this letter without commenting on the sheer insanity that passes for the headline unemployment report this morning. Here's the lead. In July, the unemployment rate declined by 0.9% points to 10.2%. And the number of unemployed persons fell by 1.4 million to 16.3 million. This number will be breathlessly reported in all the media, but let's look at the reality on the ground. First, Mark Shedlock offers his chart from yesterday's continued unemployment claims. And it basically says that unemployment claims went from 25 million and have fallen to like something like 16.1 million. 
And it says it certainly shows improvement over last week, but this doesn't reflect those on federal unemployment programs. Again, I assume they will continue in some way. If you add those in, you get 31.3 million workers receiving some kind of unemployment benefit. So basically the numbers are not being reported accurately. That is roughly double the number of unemployed that the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports. The U.S. workforce is about 160 million people, so 16 million unemployed gives you 10% unemployed number. If 31.3 million are unemployed, assuming those receiving benefits are actually unemployed, which is a reasonable assumption, then the unemployment rate is 19.6%. Then add an unquantifiable number of those who don't qualify for unemployment insurance of any kind, as in those who worked off the books for cash or otherwise fell through the cracks, it is a significant number this brings you to an unemployment rate of easily 20% or more. The Bureau of Labor Statistics isn't hiding this unemployment. They have systems developed over decades to track unemployment, and the current crisis slash recession doesn't fit neatly into that system. They do, however, track several items called alternative measures of labor underutilization. I want you guys to pay really close important to the, uh, attention to this because this is really important. They call this U6. So think of it like unemployment six. This is their sixth measure um, that you can look at. This is very telling. You know, uh, most people don't even hear this kind of, uh, this number, but it's really, really telling, okay? They do, however, track several items called alternative measures of labor underutilization. One of those numbers is the U6 category, which shows 16.5% unemployment for July 2020. It was 22.8% in April of 2020, just to, you know, give, you know, let you see that. Let me leave you with a final and somewhat depressing thought. Private investment fell roughly equal to federal spending last quarter. As much as it pains me to say, even acknowledging some of the stimulus money we was wasted without it, the U.S. and therefore the world would be in a deep depression. To talk about a V-shaped or any other shaped recovery based on past history is sheer absurdity. The future recovery, and, and there will be one, will be unlike anything we have ever experienced, including even our great-grandparents. And for some of us, our parents, in the Great Depression, this is completely different. This is a completely different economic animal. Perhaps by understanding it, we can figure out how to get out of it for everyone's sake, as well as determine our own individual paths forward. It will be a stumble through economy indeed. All right, guys, look, in the end, that's all I'm going to quote. Okay, we're already 33 minutes in this episode, but guys, look. The unemployment number that they're that they're 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 basically saying it, you know is a sham. You're well into the twenty percent unemployment range right now. They're just not reporting it because honestly, I, I don't really know why. You know, they're pumping money into the economy. They're injecting it into the stock market and the bond market. Well, really, they're injecting it in the bond market, which is causing the stock market to rise, you guys. There's only two outcomes. Either we have a really, really bad crash for a while, and then we have an amazing recovery, or the bank continues to try to keep sentiment high, continues to print, and causes inflation. Either way, we're not in a good way. It doesn't matter which, which one they choose. There are no good solutions here. If you're asking me, well, Matthew, what can we do? Are there better solutions? Um, no, there aren't. We have been addicted to easy money for far too long. We have been a our nation has been a heroin addict, quote unquote, on easy money, addicted to it for far too long. It's going to dry up at some point, and when it does, it's all going to come off. The wheels are going to come off the cart. You know, I, I I hate. I don't mean to be a doom and gloom guy. I really don't. Okay, that is not my uh, my intention here. You know, I, I don't want to be what John Malden says, a gloomy Gus, all right? I, I don't want to be Captain Doom. But I want you to be aware of what's happening. Banks are not lending money. They're specifically, they're not lending a lot of money to small businesses. This is going to cause a domino effect. The more banks tighten, which they should tighten, they really should. It's not wrong for them to do so. The more they tighten, the worse things get. Okay, it will cause businesses to go under. It'll cause the unemployment rate to rise. If the unemployment rate, like John Malden says, is probably somewhere north of 20%, that's bad. That's really bad. 
Holy crap, that's bad. Really what you need to do is you need to look at the amount of people that are receiving unemployment benefits to try to get a really good idea it, you know, of you know, how, how, what the unemployment rate really is at. You look at unemployment claims and, and how many people are receiving unemployment benefits. Don't look at the unemployment number because they are basically manipulating that number. It's not accurate. Okay? But guys, this is a telling sign of the current situation our economy is in. And on top of all that, again, they're not lending money out and they're tightening more and more and more. It, this is bad. But guys, look, there's something you can do about it, okay? Let's get off the depressing train here and let's, because I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Let's start talking about something uplifting. You can avoid most of this, okay? If you control the source of your income, you don't have to worry about losing your job. You don't. You can control your future. You can become the master of your fate and the captain of your soul. You can. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. An amazing quote. Okay? You guys need to feel the same way. You can take control over your life today. You stop making excuses. Take control over your life today. And you start that by, by starting to become you know, starting to take control over the source of your income. Guys, there are so many ways you can do this. You could become a Forex trader like I'm trying to do. You can also become an information marketer again, like I'm trying to do. I'm trying to become a consistently profitable trader. And then when I am, I will start teaching Forex courses. I will start selling classes to subsidize my trading, start flowing money, more money into my trading to accelerate my trading growth. Right? It accelerates the growth of my equity, the, the amount of money that I'm trading with. This is why I want to do it. And actually, you can make more money by teaching people how to do something a lot most of the time than you can make by doing it. I can make a lot more money by teaching people how to trade than actually trading yourself. But I love trading, so I'm always going to be a trader. But that said, though, guys, understand. Seriously. You can take control over the source of your income today. You can start the process. Okay, and I'm not trying to say that you're going to start make money out of day one and, you're, and it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's never been easier in history, but it is very, very hard. Keep that in mind. It's never been easier in history to start your own business, but it's very, very hard. It takes a long time. Okay, so start today. Start, become, start learning how to trade. You know, don't let the fear that I'm saying, I'm, I'm not trying to cause you to be fearful. Don't let that control you and try to, to shortcut the process. Whether you're a trader, when that if you're getting into trading, that's a business. It's going to take a long time for you to get consistently profitable. If you are a business owner and you're trying to sell courses, again, it's going to take you a long time to build up that audience. Trust me. Trust me. It takes a while. I'm having a hard time with it. I've got two different businesses I'm trying to build. One is my trading, personal finances, investing, and the other is my pod, this is my podcast. And yeah, it's taking, they're kind of, they kind of overlap, but in the end, yeah, freaking A, it takes a long time. It really does. So guys, but you can, you can start this process now and you should make the decision. All you got to do is choose, make the choice, make the choice to not take part in this and what's coming. And start focusing on yourself, your human capital. Start taking control of the source of your income. Guys, it is a freeing, freeing, freeing experience. I cannot tell you that more than anything else. And hey, if you're following me now, you're getting in on ground zero. You know that I wasn't always making money. I'm not making money right now. I haven't made a dime. I think I was doing a affiliate marketing. Or no, I'm trying to do affiliate marketing until I have the ability to actually sell my own courses and whatnot. You know, just try to, you know, just try to get me there. And um, so I'm not making any money right now. I did make money, a little bit of money when I was doing uh, retail arbitrage on Amazon. I, I think I made like seven bucks. <laughs> I made like seven dollars. Uh, not a lot of money. Uh, that that was that was profit though. That was like net. Pro that was profit after all expenses. Um, but I didn't continue it because honestly, I didn't have time to, to, to continue it. I, I really didn't. 
and there were a lot of problems with it. You know, it was easy to get crowded out by competition and the price, and then they got into price wars and you got priced out because you weren't getting them for wholesale. So the, the item that you're buying, that is, that you're trying to sell on Amazon, you weren't getting those for wholesale. So the minute a price war hits, you get suckered in. You can't sell your the stuff. Luckily, I did it through Ikea. So Ikea has a very, very, very long return policy. So I just ended up returning everything, got almost, almost all my money back. And I, I lost a little bit of money, but the amount I lost was so marginal. I mean, it was so it was such a small amount. It's not really even worth mentioning. But that said, you know, I mean, there's uh, I also made money with my trading options. I did that for a little while. I made five hundred dollars. You know, actually, I made more than that. Um, because I ended up losing 177 bucks, and now I'm in the in the in the black for, in the green for 500 dollars uh, out of a thousand dollar account. So that was also pretty good as well. I'm pretty proud of that. You know, I I, I um, grew that account 50 percent in a matter of a couple months. It's really great. No, it's not a lot of money, but you know, in terms of percentage and, and account growth, that's amazing. So, anyways, that being said, have I made money? Yeah, I've made a little. But not off my podcast, but not off my trading in Forex and trading business and stuff. And I'm not trading uh, options because it was an unback-tested strategy that I was messing around with. Luckily, I have a happy story. I made money. Most people who do that lose money. So I'm happy that I actually made money. But that being said, though, guys, look. We're in dire straits here, okay? We're about to hit a bad economic reset we're, we're in a recession we're we, we we might go into a depression and the thing number one thing to think to uh keep in mind is you can avoid it choose to take control over the source of your income today start making those that choice and get out there and start producing money start finding a way to make money you can do it it's not impossible guys if you want help with it go ch- if you want help with forex trading because you don't like the idea of selling stuff, then go check out Tier 1 Trading. We talked about them a lot of times, guys. Tier 1 Trading is an absolutely amazing, amazing uh, place to go. They will teach you how to do Forex trading. They will teach you not just a strategy. They, will, like, they won't just teach you one strategy and patterns. They will teach you like an entire... They'll teach you the skill. Okay? They will teach you the skill of the art and art of trading. They won't turn you down the wrong path. They will teach you an amazing amount of, of knowledge. They will teach you a lot of patterns. They will teach you how to create strategies. Okay? Absolutely amazing. I've been taught by the people that are at Tier 1 Trading, uh, Kiel Stokes, Jason Greystone, the, and Charles Miles. I, I talk to Charles to this day. Absolutely amazing stuff. Go check out Tier 1 Trade if you want to learn how to Forex. It is the number one place to learn how to Forex. They will not turn you down the wrong path. And uh, it's well worth the money. I'll tell you that much. It is well worth the money. Uh, that said, though, if you don't have, if you have a skill and it's not Forex trading and you want to learn how to sell it and basically you want to learn how to sell your courses or your products or services, but you don't like the idea of selling, learn how to get people to come to buy your stuff without selling at all. That's the trick, and it's really amazing, and you can learn that from Jason Stapleton in his iconic personal branding course. So guys, if you want to learn how to create a good personal brand, a great reputation, you want to learn how to get them to come, your customers to to come to you and to buy from you so you don't even have to do a sales pitch, because everybody hates sales pitches, then go check out his course. It's well worth the money. It's absolutely amazing. And there's so much knowledge in that course. So go check that out. It's really, really great. And then, last but not least, if you don't have a skill that you want to teach people, you, you're young, maybe you haven't been around the earth as long, you don't have a lot of skills, you don't have any skill that you think anybody would really want to pay for, then guys, go to Skillshare.com. Skillshare is an absolutely amazing platform. Okay, they do an awesome job and they have ton hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of courses out there. You can usually get a subscription for like a month for free and then you can cancel within that month if that's what you want. But hey, I would highly recommend you stay on. It's like $100 for an entire year. It's like dirt cheap. And it gives you access to tons of free of the court of courses. It's not free, but tons of courses, right? I mean, I personally have used Skillshare for, you know, email marketing, sales copywriting, you know, how to design a website, YouTube ads, 
all kind how to grow a YouTube channel, just all kinds of stuff. I've used it for tons and tons and tons of stuff, guys. And there's even more than that. There's even more than that. So guys, look, if you are interested in this, and, and and those were all affiliate programs. I'm not sponsored by any of them, okay? I'm not getting paid for that. I only get paid if you guys go and you buy stuff. So, hey, if you want to support the show and also get access to some pretty great stuff, some pretty great products and services, go check those out. But look, all of this has provided me value in my life. It has gotten me to the to where I am today. It's gotten me to take action today. And it is... All of my knowledge of learning how to trade, of, of building my own personal brand, guys, this stuff gave me purpose. For a long time, I was directionless. In college, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I jumped around from like seven different uh, you know, degrees. Took me about 10 years to graduate. Granted, I took a year or two off in between, but it took me a long time. I didn't know what I wanted. Bounced around from early childhood education, wanted to be an elementary school teacher. I, I used to work in the elementary schools, uh, believe it or not. You know, if you may find that funny if you know me now because it, I, I may not seem like that kind of a guy. But yeah, it was a college job that I had. I used to work in the elementary schools in the after school daycares there. And I, I very much enjoyed it. It was fun. You know, I was um, the third oldest and I had a lot of younger siblings. So in reality, I had a very big family. So it reminded me of, 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 of what it was like when I was a kid. It reminded me of being a kid and, and being family. So I very much quite enjoyed it. But so I thought that's what I wanted to do. But then eventually I decided, you know, I've been working there for a long time. Don't really want to do that anymore. So I switched to mechanical engineering. Yeah, that was quite the the switch. I got into cars. I started wanting to, uh, you know, work for car companies and I wanted to start designing and engineering cars. Yeah, I, I very influential. <laughs> I'm very easily fl- influenced in some sometimes, at least back then I was. And um, yeah, yeah, that didn't work out. I mean, I, I showed that I could do it, but the amount of time it was going to take me, the amount of money it was going to take me was absurd. And I don't even know if I would have gotten through with really good grades, and that really affects you when you try to go into engineering. So I tried that. didn't work out. I transferred to physics, and then I decided against that. I transferred then to, I, th- I want to say, software engineering, did a little bit of that, and then transferred from there to accounting, and then, gosh, man, I think I, then I went back to elementary school education and the, or early childhood education. And then I went to business administration. I may have switched to psychology at some point in time in there. I don't remember. But yeah, I ended on uh, business administration. I believe I switched like seven times. And um, yeah, didn't know what I wanted to do. And when I got out of college with my business administration degree, you know what kind of job it landed me? A freaking job working with ex-convicts in a warehouse. That's what it got me. Couldn't find any other jobs. Tried. Tried looking at banks. Tried being a bank teller. Tried a whole host of stuff. Personality exams, you know, that I had to take usually barred me from you know, getting the, getting those jobs. I guess I was always had that entrepreneurial mindset they didn't like. I don't know. I really don't know what it was. Maybe my math skills weren't up to snuff. I mean, I'm, I'm no slouch when it comes to math, but I'm not the best at it. I'm not, I'm not amazing at it, you know? And certainly when they tell you to take an exam and you're not allowed to use a calculator, um, yeah, okay, I used a calculator all through college. Why can't I use one that, that's going to make it hard? And, well, naturally, you know, it's not going to go well. And, of course, they won't tell you how well you do. They just don't call you back. Or they just tell you, yeah, we decided not to go for for you. You know, I'll keep you in mind. You know, they, they do all that BS stuff. And it's like, yeah, you won't keep me in mind. Thanks, whatever. You know, I was directionless for a long time. I really was. Burnt a lot of money getting a worthless degree, in my opinion. I, I, I would absolutely say my degree was worthless. I'm not saying that all degrees are, but mine was. And, um, yeah. When learning how to trade learning how to build a personal brand, you know, listening to this message of financial freedom and and personal empowerment, this is what got me to where I am right now. This is what encouraged me to say, screw it. 
I'm not going to do things the traditional method. I tried that. That didn't work. I'm going to do things my way. And my way is taking control of the source of my income. And thankfully, I had mentors in my life who encouraged me to do that. And guys, that's what I'm trying to be for you. Look, I believe in you. No matter who you are, I believe that you can achieve greatness. All of you. You can. You just need to believe in yourself. And if you won't do that, I will I will believe in you. Because you know what? I'm nothing special. Yeah, I'm smart. I'm not I'm not a dummy. Okay? But I'm not a super genius either. Okay? I, I'm a normal guy. I'm a normal guy that procrastinates, play video plays video games and overeats. Okay, and you know, I'm trying to, you know, lose weight and, and not play video games and stuff. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm a normal man. 31 years old. Okay, I'm a normal guy trying to make my way in this world. If I can do it, you can too. Now, you might be saying, Matthew, you haven't done it yet. Okay, fine. Fair enough. But I will. And uh, if you want to use that excuse to justify you not doing it, then fine by me. But when I achieve it, you are going to be very much in pain because you didn't even bother to try. I'm going to be living a life that you envy and you're not. Because I believe it. Even though I haven't achieved it yet, I believe it. With every fiber of who I am, with every ounce of my soul, I believe that it is possible. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. And I want to try to bring as many of you along on my journey and I want to try to encourage you that it is possible and we need to keep going, okay? So, hey guys, if you really like this episode, again, always make sure to like the videos, okay? It really helps me out. It helps in the, me with the search engines and the algorithms and all that. So, make sure to like the, the episodes and then make sure to also follow me. No matter where you are, make sure to like and follow me. And if you really love these episodes, you love what I'm doing here, then hey, do me a favor and share it. Share this message of financial freedom. Help help me get as many people into this idea of financial freedom and uh, controlling the source of our income and ultimately becoming the masters of our fate and the captains of our soul. Help me to get that message out to as many people that are willing to listen. So consider sharing it. I, I Please, I, I ask you from the bottom of my heart to consider sharing it. Uh, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, it doesn't matter. Consider sharing this episode to as many people as you can. Share it to people who you think are going to like it. Share it to people who you think are not going to like it. Just share it. If you love it, if you want to buy into this ideology, this mindset of personal empowerment and freedom, then please share it. I would greatly appreciate it. It's uh, one of the best compliments you could ever give me. So that being said, guys, hey, if you will do all that for me, I will see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.